0: Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike MacMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. This is an excellent, excellent week for me. Things are just going awesome. And uh, when I mean awesome, I'm just talking just life in general. Things are going good. Uh, I'm super excited with the show in regards to the next couple of episodes because this is the last of the turtle series. And next week is going to be an awesome Christmas episode. Now, uh, when I mean awesome, I'm talking like, I'm going to be talking some gremlins, and I'm going to be playing some awesome, killer Christmas music, and we're just going to have one great fun time, and then after that, it's going to be the end of the year special, so I am just super pumped in regards to upcoming episodes and so much news is going on for this week that if that's come in so i'm just super super pumped so and then also most of all my spotlight song is just hot and off the off the chains man oh it's a good good song as my boy john the mailman would say it's hot so it's awesome i can't wait for you guys to hear it but before we get into all that fun stuff let's get into movie and music news First bit of news in for this week, kind of a continuation of last week's episode. I kind of talked about the sequel to the upcoming Star Trek film. And for those of you who are obviously fans of that film, and if you are a fan of Peter Weller, which if you don't know who uh, Peter Weller is, you soon will because that's the soon-to-be retrospective coming the first of the year is the Robocop series. Yes, I'm announcing it now. That's gonna be the first series I do of January is gonna be Robocop. I'm gonna do Robocop one, two, and three. But Peter Weller is the actor who played Robocop. In the first movie and the second movie. Anyways, he is set to star in the Star Trek sequel. So, if you are excited about that, you know, in regards to a Star Trek sequel, then there you go. He has been officially added along with the villain. They are trying to confirm that the villain is going to be Khan. Uh, Evidently, The Wrath of Khan is one of, if not the biggest Star Trek film of the whole series. So, Uh, People I guess are going to be pretty pumped up and uh, Benicio Del Torre is not going to be playing him though. So that, uh, just for any of you Star Trek fans out there, I wanted to give you that that little piece of news that Peter Weller is joining the cast and that Khan is going to be the villain of the movie. Now in news that I'm not too excited about, okay, so we all know that I love Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know, I always joke about it with my boys. Jason, Dan, Jason, and Danny all the time. Everybody knows I love that. But I'm not too excited about one of his new movies that he's going to be doing. Okay, so we all know uh, I'm super pumped for the uh, monster movie that he's going to be doing. But evidently, Michael Bay, uh, which, you know, I love, you know, I, I've announced on the show that I'm a fan of Michael Bay. But Michael Bay wants to get Marky Mark. And Dwayne Johnson in a flipping movie together because he wants to chill out from doing the whole, you know, Transformers thing. And I'm sorry, I love Dwayne, but a movie with Michael Bay is not gonna be good for his career. Let alone doing a movie with Marky Mark, okay? I have seen Marky Mark's films, or Mark Wahlberg, um, he's decent. The films that i watched, you know, I enjoyed, they were fun, but he's definitely not great. Uh, I guess there was one movie he did with Christian Bale, I still haven't seen it yet, I heard that he was really good in that, but I can't give you my estimate on that, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, I'm not too pumped for this film. What basically the film is going to be called is pain or gain, or pain and gain. It's essentially about bodybuilding and crap going on in bodybuilding or something along those lines. I don't know. Uh, It wasn't too interesting the plot and... I'm not excited to see these two together so I'm just hoping that he will walk away from the project or some miracle will happen kinda like the Crow remake I just want something like that So, uh, for you Hangover fans and I've only seen the first one and I know part two just came out on DVD I haven't seen it yet uh, I-, I could take it or leave it you know it was good but it's not the movie everybody thinks it's cracked up to be but Bradley Cooper did confirm that there is going to be a Hangover 3 and they are currently working on it. The plot's going to be different than the first two films so if you're a fan of that series then hey that should be exciting news for you. Now if you know on the Facebook page I just recently reviewed Friends with Benefits. Now as you know I'm not, um, or as I said on the show, I'm not a big sex comedy uh, person but uh, it's kind of like Armageddon and Deep Impact. They were similar movies that came out right around the same time and Friends with Benefits and no strings attached with Natalie Portman. They kind of belong the same thing, but I find that Friends with Benefits is so much better. Even the critics think so. It's actually got a pretty high rating on Rotten Tomato. I actually enjoyed it. You can check out my review on the Facebook page. Uh, seeing Justin Timberlake sing some crisscross or rap some crisscross jump was hilarious. It was so funny. But uh, once you get past the little montage, which there's no the only nudity in the film, even though you think it's a sex comedy, is just a couple. Butts. So, you know, if you can handle that, then that's the extent of what you get. You know, a couple side stuff, but nothing that would be too, you know, they could probably show it on TV nowadays. But once you get past the little montage, funny scenes, it actually is a really good, serious movie. And uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. So, um, it's pretty good. But it's kind of funny that, you know, a movie similar again has come out. It doesn't happen too often where two movies are made with the same topic, but I find that if you're going to pick between No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits, I would pick Friends with Benefits. So, uh, In regards to other movie news, that's pretty much what I got. Uh, not a whole lot of news, nothing really exciting, but I got some exciting music news, and this is pretty cool. So, In regards to music news, now, um, most of the people that are fans of the show I'm actually friends with on Facebook, you know, John the Mailman, John from Philly, Sebastian, we're actually all friends on Facebook. So today on my personal page, I uploaded uh, a story that I read that I thought was pretty interesting. And what the story is, it's called 12 Extremely Disappointing Facts About Popular Music. And the first one it says that Creed has sold more records in the U.S. than Jimi Hendrix. Number two was Led Zeppelin, R.E.M., and Depeche Mode have never had a number one single. Rihanna has had ten. Kesha's TikTok sold more copies than any Beatles single. Number four was Flow Riders' "Low" has sold eight million copies, the same as the Beatles' Hey Jude. Number five was the Black Eyed Peas' I Got a Feeling. It's more popular than any Elvis or Simon and Garfunkel song. Number six was Celine Dion's Falling Into You sold more copies than any Queen, Nirvana, or Bruce Springsteen record. Number seven is same with Shania Twain's. Come on over. Number eight is Carrie. Uh, Katy Perry holds the same record as Michael Jackson for most number one singles for an album. Number nine is Barbra Streisand has sold more records, 140 million, than Pearl Jam, Johnny Cash, and Tom Petty combined. And the last one is people actually bought Billy Ray Cyrus' album. Some give, some gave all 20 million people more than any Bob Marley album. And I'm sorry, number 11 is The Cast of Glee has had more song charts than The Beatles. Number 12 is This Guy Exists, which is Justin Bieber. So now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is some of the points that were made. uh, For example, uh, you know, John John from Philly said this is funny, but the great thing about music is it's an art. And what is popular doesn't mean it's the best music or the music we like. I'm okay with these as long as the bands and artists I continue, uh, I like, continue to make music. P.S. I do like Creed too, always have, but guess it's popular not to uh, like them. But I still enjoy the music, which I commented that you know I love Creed. I'm a big fan of theirs, and uh, you know I played their music on the show. I said Justin Bieber, you know he, he doesn't really. I I have my issues with him, but you know. What's great about this is that, you know, as John the Mailman says, is that it's some nice facts, but it holds no weight. That nowadays we have tons of different music, um, you know, ways to get songs. And um, these songs are made more popular than they probably really are. And his likes of music doesn't change at all. Uh, which, is I was saying, is a good point because think about it, in the 80s, you wanted a song you had to buy the whole album there was no such thing as singles and artists could easily sell millions of records because people were just buying it for that one song and in the eighties and nineties you know they finally late nineties is when they came out with, with singles but the singles at the time were really expensive and nowadays you know you have to have a good album you can't just have one good song because people are going to buy that song and then your CD goes down the drain and then you're kicked off the record label I mean now if you want to make music you got to make sure you have a killer album and that's the thing you know I'm glad that I like all kind of music and yeah these facts are nice but really they're going to begin they're comparing new artists to old artists and the old artists compared to today's standards wouldn't have a chance because of the digital age so technically if the new artists were probably in the old artists era, the old artists that they are compared to would easily kill all these records but it's just the point of that trying to compare digital age to the old school obviously the the new age is always going to come out better so that it's kind of an interesting when you listen to the facts but if you really dig deep into it really it doesn't change anything people are going to like who they're going to like and that's what's great about music it's an art form so but enough of the rambling i thought it was a pretty cool article so uh that's it guys for movie and music news Let's get into the movie discussion of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtle for uh, Turtles Forever.
1: It's a special world premiere exclusive. They are back. Turtle Power! And I got the pizzas. We're good to go. Cowabunga! And they're joining the Turtles of today in an event so epic. Ah! Banana? So evil! Come and face your doom! He's quite good. Shh! I don't want to miss anything! Oh. And so jam packed with turtles, we have to make a movie just to fit them all in! <laughs> There she blows, dude! <laughs> I crack me up! I hate those turtles. Don't miss this 25th anniversary Ninja Turtle special event, Saturday morning, November 21st, only on the CW4Kids.
0: All right, Turtles Forever. This comes to the end of our Ninja Turtle series. Now, technically speaking, TMNT was the last of the Ninja Turtle films just because of the fact it was the last one to hit theaters. But as a fan favorite, which I agreed, I would consider Turtles Forever to be part of the Ninja Turtle film franchise. So even though it's a cartoon, it's the first cartoon I've ever talked about, probably it'll be the last cartoon I ever talk about, I definitely agree with the STL Nation that this film had to be included in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles retrospective just because it fits. And most of all, this movie, if any of the movies do anything is that we get to go back to being a kid again watching this film. Now, um, the funny thing about this film is the first time I watched it, I was very disappointed. And the reason why is my expectations were pretty high for this film. And after I watched it the first time, I was kind of disappointed. I hadn't watched it again, but then for this podcast, I rewatched it again. And this time, my problem I had with the film because uh, what my problem was is when i watched it i was like okay those voices okay that's not shredder's voice that kind of sounds like donnie but not really i was really confused to if the original cartoon cast was the voices and you would think the reason for the the whole purpose of this film is the fact of it's to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the ninja turtles franchise so essentially if you don't know they're bringing the old school cartoon that we all know and love and the newer 2003 version and putting it together and when i watched it and i wasn't hearing the voices that i was normally used to as a kid i got really disappointed my expectations immediately uh, were not met and i had a negative response towards the film now after re-watching again, knowing the fact of when I watch it, I'm not getting those voices, I had so much fun with this movie because of the fact I got rid of that uh, that problem. And I'll tell you, I have more notes written down for this film than probably all the other ones such a good time and it seems that the STL Nation through the emails which I'll obviously get into when I get there but we all pretty much agree on the same thing that this movie was super fun it was kind of like watching the first movie but it was like being a kid again so let's just talk the normal you know the the basic outline of the film the the plot and then let's get into the good stuff and the bad stuff with this film Okay, so Turtles Forever, which is also known as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles Forever or TMNT Turtles Forever, came out in 2009, and this was made for TV, and it was produced by Four Kids Entertainment. So that's you're probably wondering, well, was this ever released in theaters? No, it was not. It was made for TV. Now, produced in, as I said, it's celebrating the 25th anniversary. The whole purpose of doing this, um, the the film. Takes the 1987 guys, uh, the real family-friendly, light-hearted, campy stuff, and then takes the 2003 darker, more serious version of the Turtles, puts them together, is in like this parallel universe, and the plot basically goes as follows, that it starts off where there's this battle between the Purple Dragons and what appears to be the Ninja Turtles. Now, um, this takes place... Right off the bat, this is the 2003 version of the Turtles. Um, from the beginning when the logo comes on, I was pretty disappointed because the logo sucks. I was hoping to get you know the one that we got in the in the films, the live action films, The Teenage Mutant Ninja, and then the Turtles. In green with it like a half circle, but no, we just get Turtles Forever, real dumb looking. I mean, it's not even the artwork of the 2003 Turtles, it's just the plain old Turtles Forever. So I was kind of disappointed with the logo, but immediately the artwork. Now, the artwork that I'm referring to is your you're watching the 2003 version of the turtles you're not in the 1987 universe so right away you have to put yourself in okay I'm watching the newer version first so what happens is uh, splinter it's I'll tell you this movie is kinda dark what I mean by that is there's a couple times where the turtles actually kill people and if you're not looking for it you're not gonna see it but I noticed it like three times and one thing is, is Splinter is watching this soap, the soap opera on TV, and it's talking some real weird stuff about I'm actually your sister's boyfriend, or it was some really weird stuff. And Splinter's like, "Oh man, I knew it!" You know, and so right away I, I was kind of caught off guard. I'm like, "Okay, for a kids' film, the move, the the show he's watching on TV is kind of a little..." you know kind of a little out there but anyways it's interrupted by showing you what looks to be the turtles and splinters accusing them of how could you be so careless when you went out there and they're like well you know that wasn't us it had to have been imposters so breaking into the purple dragon headquarters to get to the bottom of who these mysterious doppelgangers are, are um, the versions of them are actually the ones that we know from the 1987 universe and uh, here's the thing guys I obviously love the 1987 universe of the turtles the 2003 version I'm gonna say right off the bat I was never a fan of I probably watched maybe two or three episodes wasn't too impressed I was just kind of uh, I was kind of irritated with it and I hadn't watched it since but I do have to say that the way that this movie is made, I really enjoyed the 2003 version of the Turtles because of the light-hearted comedic tones of the original 1987 version and the darker, more serious version of 2003 helped to balance out the film. And my favorite part of the film, by far, is the end with the comic book Turtles. Those guys, I could watch those guys all year long and never be tired of because they were so flipping hilarious because they weren't meant to be hilarious it's just the things they said and did were just so good and so funny. So when the the 2003 Turtles realized that the 87 Turtles are actually them but just from a different dimension which they come to find out was this uh, dimensional portal accident which also brought their arch enemies Shredder and Krang Uh, and their battle fortress the technodrome along with them so the eight turtles head below the ground to track down the technodrome but their presence together only clues shredder in the fact that there may be a version of himself in another world and he can use this other shredder to be his ally and take the turtles down so the Technodrome escapes and the Turtles who unfortunately are not able to track it resolve to create a portal device of their own so that way they can travel to the 1987 universe and obtain the gear that the 87 Turtles usually have to take the Technodrome down. Now while the Turtles are occupied with this task Shredder uses the Technodrome technology to locate the you know his dimensional uh, shredder. Now um, there is this uh, alien-looking thing, which I guess essentially is Shredder, the the 2003 Shredder. I don't know how he became this small little uh, Ultron. But it's basically Shredder. So somehow in the cartoon, uh, they don't get into it, and I don't know the history. But Shredder got changed into this small little alien. So he's basically frozen in ice in like this ass, in this um, asteroid, this ice asteroid, after the final defeat that he had with the two thousand three Turtles. So um, they, his name's Shrell, which you know you realize will later be Shredder. He's teleported to the Technodrome but after recovering he immediately overthrows the the other guys which would be um shredder and krang and rocksteady and bebop and he actually sees control over the technodrome with the help of his adopted daughter karia and um She's been basically monitoring his movements and tracked them down to help him escape his frozen prison. So using this, you know, the typical Dimension X, which is where Krang is from. Krang is that brain thing from the 87 version. So using the Dimension X technology and the, sci- the Ultram Science to create this new robotic ectoskeleton for himself. That's what basically brings Shredder back. So essentially you get the shredder body but he's still inside kind of like Krang he has that body but you can see Krang on the outside but Shredder the you know the alien version is actually inside the new ectoskeleton of himself. The plot gets kind of technical I mean especially for a kids film but essentially it's uh it gets the job done. So I as long as you can follow that, you're gonna be pretty good to go for the rest of the film. So, after um, Krell dispatches his right man, his right hand man, which his name is Han, uh, I guess he's like another big bad guy from the 2003 version. Uh, he hates the turtles, but he eventually gets mutated into this monstrous turtle himself. He kind of looks like the um, the turtles too. Version, you know, um, what was it, Toka? Uh, he looks just like that, but like really big, kind of like a mix between Killer Croc from Batman and uh, and Toka from the Ninja Turtles 2 film. And the reason why he became um, a mutant himself is there was uh... from the 87 version it's kind of like the mutating ooze well they brought that into the two thousand three universe so he accidentally dosed himself with that causing him because he the last thing he touched was a turtle is the reason why he mutated into this big monstrous you know turtle himself but he looks flipping cool though so with the help of good old bebop and rocksteady hun finds and attacks the turtle's lair But the eight Turtles, they complete their dimensional portal stick and escape to the 1987 version of the Turtles. Which this is where I start to have real good times with the film. But unfortunately Splinter gets captured by Han and he's brought before the, let's just call him the new Shredder. And to basically serve as a bait, you know, the trap to get the Turtles to come back. So the 2003 Turtles meet the 1987 version of April O'Neil. Um, which is really cool see one of the biggest differences between the 87 and the 2003 version is the 87 version everybody knew who the turtles were so they could just go up and roaming down the street there always these crazy mutants running around and you know walking bananas that kind of stuff but the 03 version is kind of more like the movies where nobody knows about the turtles they keep hidden so when the 2003 version go to the 87 version and they see all the people walking around and uh, nobody cares they're kind of in complete and under shock basically which is a really nice twist I like it a lot so essentially um, you're gonna see the old classics you get the party wagon you get the turtle blimp uh, they do discover though that in their absence that um, the new shredder has fused the sciences of the Ultrons and Dimension X, and rebuilt the Technodrome as this truly terrifying war machine. It's filled with legions of improved robotic foot soldiers and mutated purple dragons. Uh, they actually enter the fortress to recover Splinter but the Turtles get defeated and the new Shredder reveals his master plan that he has discovered that while using the 1987 Shredder to survey the multiverse in his plans to conquer it that he not only found the Turtles of the 87 world and the 2003 world which they don't actually say in the film but he found hundreds and hundreds of versions of the Turtles. So knowing that the Turtles of those dimensions are going to stand in his way to conquer the world he basically knows that he has to eliminate the turtles and the only way to do that is to take out the original quote-unquote prime turtles and the new shredder scans the turtles Uh, they're all it's kind of like their dna so to speak where he he uses this device which kind of slowly tears them apart, which is the Technodrome. He uses this tool, which uh, it's like a big circle. And by going super, super fast, their DNA slowly starts to fade away. Uh, so essentially, they're going to die. And um, what happens is is that uh, Shredder's daughter saves the turtles because she realizes that her dad is just mad and he's – his. his, his you know, he's crazy, and he's eventually going to bring the destruction of not only himself, but it's going to bring the destu- destruction of her as well. So with um, the world erased around them as uh, Shredder's plan goes into motion, see what happens is is their world starts to erase. It's kind of like a comic book. It starts to go in reverse. Instead of you know dra- first outlining and then uh, drawing and then making your colors, it goes in reverse. It takes the colors away, the outline, and then the drawing, and so on and so forth. So it looks really, really cool, but essentially... Their world is being torn apart and how that happens is the Turtles break into the Purple Dragon's headquarters again to get the appropriate tech they need from the cr- from the criminals that stole it earlier in order to upgrade their dimensional portal stick and to follow uh, Shredder to the Turtle Prime because they have no idea where Turtle Prime is but they know that if they follow Shredder they'll get there and hopefully get to the Turtles before he does. They actually get attacked by Han again. And he's seeking revenge because he's a big giant turtle now. He's become the thing that he hates the most. But when he sees what hap- what's happening to the world, he actually surrenders. He's the one that's holding the tech. And he actually surrenders it to give it to the turtles because he's, a, he's being erased. He's about ready to die. So the turtles get the you know get the stuff they need and they whisk away just in a blink of time before they get erased and they get sent to 1984 they don't actually tell you the year but turtle prime is 1984 if you know the turtles good enough so now instead of eight now we got twelve turtles now the story starts to get real funny which i'll i'll go into my favorite parts in just a minute here but the rest of the story goes is this that with the aid of splinter Um, Splinter's or Shredder's daughter, Karia and even old school Shredder and Krang. Because the old school Shredder and Krang are actually afraid of the new Shredder. So they want to help the Turtles take him out. So that way they can have their Turtles back. Because the Turtles aren't crazy like this guy. So the Turtles engage in the fight with the new shredder and he grows to this massive height using the molecular amplification technology from, Dimx- uh, from Dimension X. And he, At first he seems like you know he hit the attacks that he gets that he's basically invincible. Now the new shredder accidentally clipped. He accidentally kinda gets in the energy beam from the Technodrome which puts damage to his armor so to speak and the Turtles seeing that he got damaged from that they try to force him back into the beam it actually gets cut off though because Rocksteady accidentally trips over the power cable and plugs it and the new Shredder takes his opportunity to grab the 1984 Turtles and start to crush them and the world actually begins to fade just like the 2003 world did because essentially 2003 Turtles are gone goodbye Kaplooey no more world so the new shredder hesitates when he notices that he too is starting to fade because his daughter actually attempted to um, tell him that what he's doing is destroying them all including him but the new shredder has um, has basically become too obsessed with revenge decides he doesn't care resumes the battle anyways so the last minute the 87 turtles throw this explosive uh, star uh, you know, like Ninja Stars at Shredder, which explode and cause them to trip and drop back into the uh, the beam again. Because Rocksteady and Bebop accidentally turn it back on again, which they thought they were being good. But hey, Rocksteady and Bebop actually saved the world, so props to those guys. But because of them turning it on, it gets the beam back uh, and it starts to... Shredder goes back to normal, the Turtles are able to defeat him, and they actually get to see their realities restore themselves through the little thing that they created, Donatello. And so the 87 characters take the Technodrome and return back to their home world. And the 2003 Turtles use the Portal Stick to return to their world. And the 1984 Turtles, they decide to go get some pizza. So... And then the movie ends with the actual creators, Peter Lard and Kevin Eastman, putting the finishing touches on the very first issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book, expressing their hope that the book is going to sell... Very well, and then we get the end of the film. So, yeah, that I'll tell you, watching the movie is a lot funner than trying to explain it because, especially for a cartoon, the plot is really crazy. I mean, I would say the plot is more ridiculous than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 film is, but I mean, it's a cartoon, cartoon plots are always ridiculous and crazy. But this one, though, it's like wow, just trying to explain, I'm like, man. Is this the same story that I actually watched? But it's essentially what the story is. But the story may somewhat be complicated, especially for a cartoon. But all the good stuff that happens is what helps makes the story so good. Let's see. Starting from the beginning here. Um, I like how in the beginning of the film, when the 2003 turtles first come in contact with the uh, with the 1987 version. We immediately get some jokes where Raph is saying, look, they have initials like they're superheroes. And uh, you'll hear, cool off, hothead, because the new Raph is just like the movie Raph, where he's very angry. And the old school 87 Raph is more like the fun, playful Raph, so he actually will tell the new one how he's such a hothead, which is super funny, of course. Now, the turtles actually steal pizza uh, when they get... They're in this pizza. When they go into 2003 pizza place. Nobody knows who the turtles are so they're not supposed to be you know, spotted so of course everybody freaks out and before the cops show up the turtles actually take the pizza and run off so it's like dude the turtles just stole pizza. That never happens. I really like the new Michelangelo because the new Michelangelo fits in really well with the old turtles because every time they throw in jokes the new Michelangelo will be like don't you just love these guys because we all know the old school turtles had said Things like turtle power and cowabunga and the new turtles they don't really do that so Mikey really enjoys watching the old-school turtles how much fun they're having and fighting and they have this uh, this running gag about doing noogies to Michelangelo which is pretty funny now one thing I noticed when I saw Krang for the first time you know it's been years since I seen what Krang looked like immediately I thought of something that I just thought was super scary and super creepy doesn't crank look like spongebob squarepants i don't know what it is but just the way he looks and his mannerisms i was immediately like holy crap it's spongebob but obviously crane came before spongebob but it's just real funny how much similarities they have now when splinter actually uh... the two thousand three splinter is fighting with the turtles when we start getting the first kind of mutants and stuff when they realize that the foot clan is a bunch of robots Splinter actually kills a dog. Uh which I'm like, oh my gosh. The turtles are killing people. Uh I mean granted I know it's a bad guy, but usually Splinter would just knock it out, but they exact they actually drop a building on the on the dog. Well they blow it up really. I'm getting it mixed up where earlier there was a wall that dropped on uh, Hun and his men. And Hun is the only guy that lived, but all the other guys died because the turtles did something to where a wall falls on them. And you don't ever see those guys again. So I'm like, okay, right away the turtles are killing people. Then Splinter blows up a dog. I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, the turtles are killing people. This doesn't happen. Now, the funniest gag that happens in this film, which I absolutely love, is Raphael breaks the fourth wall. And there'll be some action scene going on. And Raph looks at the camera and goes, we shower regularly. And later on in the film, he'll say something again. And Hun looks at him, looks at us, and says, who are you talking to? There's nobody there. I absolutely find that hysterical. I was just rolling on the floor laughing. Now, when the turtles get to 87... And you see running bananas and mutants and stuff. One of the funniest lines they say. Hey we we have to save April. We save April at least once a day. The mutant banana was kind of funny. I felt like I was watching the Ghostbusters cartoon. But I forgot back in the old school 87 cartoon. There was always crazy villains and crazy monsters and stuff like that. That show was totally off the wall. But you know what as a kid I absolutely loved it. Now a scene that I absolutely love is when... The turtles decide, you know, they're going to work together is when each of them do each other's turtle saying when um, the 87 version goes, go green machine. And then the new guys say, it's ninja time. And then they look at each other and say, turtle power. And then Raphael goes, "Ugh," more like annoying power. So obviously, right away, the old school Turtles are just laughing and joking. Pretty much the whole film, which it's good to see that. And as I said, the other ones are so serious that they both play off each other perfectly. All eight Turtles get perfect screen time. Um, You know, that was a couple issues I had with the movies especially TMNT but the jokes are really good really funny I had a really good time with it but one of the greatest scenes is when Shredder is showing all the different turtles and you see the comic book version of the turtle you see baby turtles you see the movie version of the turtles and then you actually see TMNT which was pretty awesome you got to see turtles wearing Arctic clothes that was pretty awesome But when we get to Turtle Prime, they are narrating uh, because it's like black and white. They all look exactly the same. And when they're beating up the eight turtles, there's narration going on. And you'll actually hear the turtles say, well, why is there narration going on? They call it out. And I really like when the, um, the Turtle Prime says, so you were supposed to be us from another dimension. I don't get it. Then Raf actually starts to rip on the old school turtles by saying, Check out the initials on their belt buckles on these yahoos. You know and a couple other different lines that they say to try to tell Turtle Prime you know that they're not as dorky as they think they are but essentially uh, I just really dig the Turtle Prime just because they're they're so mean looking and you can't tell who's who the only way you can tell who's who is by the weapons they all look identical they all sound identical but they're super mean and the narration is funny I just really dig the Turtle Prime Uh, it's really good times I like when um, the Turtle Prime are talking to Shredder and he starts to get stuff thrown at him and you see it's because the eight turtles are on top of a roof throwing stuff and the one turtle, he puts his hand down like, sit down, you know. It's like they're in total control, which is so great. And they have some really good lines like, less talk, more action, stuff like that. And then essentially at the end, they actually uh, switch around where the old school turtles say ninja time and then the new ones say turtle power because they're all like you know we're brothers and it's it's awesome so uh really good movie a lot of fun um i know the plot is kind of crazy especially you know when i'm watching it i get it but trying to to say it you know it kind of explain the story i'm just kind of like Uh, what happened it's like it gets kind of jumbled and I find the story to be crazy but you have to have a crazy story like that to pull all these different dimensions together but based on uh, everybody did a really good job in regards to you know screen time jokes perfect balance as I said my my huge disappointment was just the fact of the original uh, the original characters none of them were able to return and it basically had to do to union concerns See, uh, 4Kids is a non-union corporation and um, nobody was able to return. So after I realized that nobody was there and that each, you know, the person that was actually doing the voice of the old school person, for the most part, they, it was... Some parts were hit and miss, but I think for the most part, they did, a, they did a pretty good job, especially now that I knew that none of them returned. Because before I was hitting my head like, okay, that sounds like Mikey, that sounds like Donnie, but that doesn't sound like Leo, or, oh, that sounds like Raph. But now that I know it's none of them, I can enjoy the film better because I got that out of the way and I just watched the film for what it is. So, you know, my kids love it. They absolutely laugh hysterically. Um, I definitely say that TMNT was the best. Way to end the turtle franchise. Uh, turtles Forever. You know, we're all die-hard turtles fans, which is why you know we we all watch this movie and why you know it wanted me to review it. But if we're looking at the turtle franchise itself, TMNT is technically the last one, and I think it ended the series really great. We had a strong beginning and we had a strong end, with just a little hiccup in the middle. Uh, this movie, as far as a cartoon movie, really good because I've seen some pretty horrible cartoon movies, but this kept me entertained, entertained. You know, it keeps adults entertained, it keeps kids entertained. It's really fun. It pays uh, excellent homage to the original while staying true to the latest version we had and then it also introduces new set of turtles that we've never seen before that have a whole new personality and I really dig them. Uh, I really love all all the turtles. I thought they all played off well. So if I'm going to give my rating for the film I would definitely give it a strong three and a half. Um, the reason I probably wouldn't go higher than that is just because the story is kind of confusing if you're trying to explain it to somebody. Uh, I don't get the original cast, which, if I had the original cast, I would easily put this at like a four and a half. Because you, here's the thing, for an anniversary. You want to get everybody back together so you would think that if they knew they couldn't get everybody back why do it you know what I mean I get that it's the 25th anniversary and they want to pay homage to everything but you would expect on an anniversary film that you get everybody back you know maybe with an exception of one or two people so immediately it loses points for me when I don't get the people that I grew up with as a voice unless they're you know passed away But it's just the fact of it's kind of like you're misled when you're like, hey, all the original Turtles and the new Turtles because we get the voices of all the newer shows, but the old school show we don't. So it was just a huge disappointment. But that's really my only problem I have with the film is just because I don't get that. But I just give it three and a half because, you know, it was super fun super you know super fun the story is kind of hard to to follow occasionally but you know it is a cartoon uh it's not a live action film there wasn't a whole lot of fighting but overall uh i was definitely uh, more pleased with it the second time around first time around i had some you know That big disappointment, which totally killed the film for me. But the second time around, I had so much fun with it. So, yep, that's it, guys. That's it for Turtles Forever, three and a half stars. So, let's go ahead and hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right. now before I get into the emails I just wanted to say a, a few things now uh, I want to thank the uh, most recent person to like the Facebook page Jamie uh, I thank you so much because of you I am officially at 25 likes on the Facebook page and as you all know uh, I've been trying to get it to 25 likes for a while now I even had a contest going and uh, Officially, Sweep Delay Podcast has its own web address. It's now www.facebook.com slash sweepdelaypodcast. So instead of just having to type Sweep Delay Podcast and Facebook and try to find it, just go to facebook.com slash sweepdelaypodcast, and there you go. You'll instantly be on the page, and we're ready to rock and roll. So thank you so much uh, for for doing that. It's so great, and also... We have, um, you know, on the Facebook page, we usually have the same typical people uh, talking in the threads. But Elizabeth recently joined in on a conversation. So really great to hear some new people on the Facebook page. So thank you guys so much. If you want to join the fun, you guys know where it is, facebook.com slash sweepdelaypodcast. And then if you haven't reviewed on iTunes yet, uh, feel free. Hopefully it'll be a good review. Don't want to get a bad one, but hey, that's how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you gotta you gotta get the constructive criticism, I guess. So, and uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow, it's STL Podcast. And then also this week, I am recording the new podcast, and I'm not gonna go into what it's all about yet. But I'll just say this: if you're a fan of this show, chances are you are gonna be a fan of the new podcast. And um, it's going to be happening tomorrow and you should get news on it sometime either tomorrow night or Thursday sometime in regards to some information hopefully. And then that episode, the first episode will come to you soon. So I am super pumped. As I said, I can't give too much informa- uh, information away yet, but it's going to be excellent. I'm super excited. It's going to be super fun. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the news I had before I got into the emails. So let's go into the first email we have. All right, so the first email comes from a boy, John, from Philly. And uh, here's what he had to say. He said, hello, STL Nation and Mike i see i forgot to send in my favorite music for this year well i was struggling to pick until this month and i saw the muppet movie this soundtrack is awesome yes it's a kiddie movie but with the muppets i become a little kid which i completely agree sir muppets are good times if you don't like the muppets it's you know i don't know what's wrong but nine times out of ten everybody loves the muppets it it just brings the kid out of everybody. He said, I also just want to give you props. I really enjoy the music spotlight. And with reviewing these movies, I find myself going back and picking up a song or two from the soundtracks. Keep up the great work. P.S. of course, Gremlins is an x uh, Miss movie. Yeah, sir, thanks so much for your comment on the music spotlight. You know, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the show. Just trying to figure out a good song that uh, can hopefully appeal to everybody. Um, have it a good... You know, genre piece to where oh, I'm not, you know, people listen, give it a try, and uh, it's definitely a challenge. But I'm super glad that you're liking it. Uh, I definitely enjoy it, I love doing it, and I'm super excited for the music spotlight for tonight because it is hot, it is some good stuff. But uh, John from Philly actually writes in again. But just so you know, um, I, I do want more emails in regards to the music stuff because after next week. Um, Next week you're going to get the Christmas episode. And then I won't be back until after Christmas, which will be on the 26th. That is going to be the end of the year uh, episode. So I want to hear your top 10 favorite songs of 2011. So start thinking about it. Write your list down. Get it in order. I got mine. I'm ready to go. And don't send it in yet, but right before uh, the 26th, go ahead and send that sucker in to me. All right, now our next email comes from our good friend Anthony in Hillmark, California. Anthony, this is what I'm going to say about you, sir. You know, each person definitely has their own personality when it comes to emails. You know, John the Mailman... He's always got the good old consider this email delivered. John from Philly always has something funny and cool to say. You, sir, I'm going to consider you the epic emailer because every time you write in, it's always super long. I really enjoy it. You always have some good things to say. And most of all, you always say, I'm sorry that it's long. Well, just so you know, email is probably part of the is one of the best parts of doing a podcast. You know when you get to hear other people's thoughts and opinions and everything. So I definitely love hearing from you guys, and I love long emails. So don't feel bad about it. In fact, I always dig it. So I'm gonna call Anthony the Epic Emailer because you always have an epic email. And if you start sending in some small emails, I'm gonna think there's something wrong with you, sir. So let's get to what Anthony had to say. He said hello again, Masunis. I will wasn't even sure that I was going to send you an email at all, but since I'm one of the STL Nation, which, yes you are, sir, and if you want to be a part of the STL Nation, all you got to do is write in the sweep delay Podcast at yahoo.com. Simple as that. Now, I do love the Facebook interaction. That's definitely getting you to the STL Nation, but you got to send in an email. That puts you in the elite group of the fans, is the STL Nation. So, he goes on to say, I decided to go ahead and send it on. When it comes to Ninja Turtles shows, I remember seeing both of them, but my memories of the original one have somewhat waned uh waned over time. Yeah, sorry if I'm reading that wrong there. I'm having a long day. And I believe that I've never seen all of that particular series. In fact, it wasn't until a few months ago when I saw it online that I actually see did I actually see the final episode for that particular version of the Turtles cartoon. Uh, for the 2003 version it probably helps that it wasn't that long ago but i remember this series more i liked the more serious tone and the action was more exciting to watch it's not to say that there weren't things that made me question what they were doing the entire flash forward season for example but as a whole, I really enjoyed it. Perhaps one of my favorite episodes was from Season 3 called Same As It Never Was. It was a great episode and one of the darker ones that I've seen. If you haven't seen it, I recommend that you do so. And then he posted a link to uh, to a fan-made opening that's uh, – it's like a fan episode. So I would definitely click on that link and check it out, sir. He said, now, on to the actual movie that STL episode is for. Turtles Forever was a movie that, for the most part, was a good way to somewhat bring an entire TMNT lore into one united thing, which I totally agree with you, sir. How they made each version of the Turtles basically like they were doing that time was respectful to those who watched during that particular time and liked how they reacted to each other other others were doing which yeah as I said that was a perfect balance between each generation of the turtles. I thought it was excellent. As for rating, I'd give it three out of five. I can't say it's up there if you compare it to the other turtle movies. It had its moments and for the most part it's something that fans of the overall franchise should check out at least once. Before ending this email, I was hoping to recommend another movie series that could possibly be done and a movie that stands on its own. The suggestions are Tremors. Uh, You could include the short-lived TV series if you want. I've seen Tremors one. I haven't seen the other ones, but I definitely would um, add that to a list because I did like the first one. Not sure I would do a short-lived TV series on it, but I would definitely consider doing that series. And for the single movie, Flight of the Navigator. Sir, I hear you. I have always wanted to do that movie. In fact, one of the earlier series that I'm going to be doing after the RoboCop series and the Short Circuit series is, uh, you know, kid adventure films. You know, um, Flight of the Navigator. um, We have Never Ending Story. You know, films that when I was a kid I watched, it was like an adventure. You know, we have Goonies. Uh, Monster Squad I've already done. That's definitely a a kids' adventure film. But Flight of the Navigator and Never Ending Story are definitely up there. I love those two. So expect to see those. So that is definitely going to be coming your way, sir. That is an excellent film. He said, originally planned... For this to be a short email, but it just happened to get away from me and become a long one. Sorry about that happening. That's all, and I can't wait to hear the Christmas episode, as I can consider Gremlins as a holiday movie as well. After all, I consider the first Die Hard movie as one. That's all. I'll see you later. And here's the thing. Uh, Die Hard, I definitely say Die Hard 1 is a Christmas film, but I plan on doing the actual series. And... I didn't want to go right into Die Hard 2 after doing that. Gremlins only has a Part 2, not like 3, 4. And I would eventually get to Part 2. It's kind of like Die Hard. Once you start one, you immediately got to go to another one. But I am super pumped for the Christmas episode. I have to admit, the next two episodes I am so pumped for. Um, I haven't really been this exciting in quite a long time. Uh, I have a lot of plans for the Christmas episode and for the... Um, end of the year episode, and then when I hit 50 episodes, not sure exactly what I'm gonna do yet. I know I had some suggestions about doing a live show, but I don't know about that. But I can tell you, when I do finally, when I finally do the Karate Kid, it's gonna be epic. And as I said, I wasn't gonna do the Karate Kid until I hit pretty far. I'm almost thinking I want to wait till I hit 100 episodes for the Karate Kid, just because the 100th episode is usually your your most epic episode you've reached a milestone and I figure that's the perfect time to do my all time favorite movie is the 100th episode so we have plenty of other movies to get to before I get to the Karate Kid and of course Karate Kid 2 and 3 and the rest will follow after that now I can't promise you I'm going to do the Kung Fu Kid but I would definitely that's the plan is to do the Karate Kid for the 100th episode and in fact uh, Jason and Dan do this cool thing where they do like film commentary on like the Back to the Future series I'm kind of thinking about doing something like that because I want to throw the movie in, but I'm going to have it loud enough to where you can hear everything that I'm watching. And I have so many comments and things to say about the film. I figured the best way to do it is to do it while I watch the film. Kind of my ideas, but again, it's so far into the future; anything can happen at this point. So. That is what Anthony had to say. So thank you, sir. As always, continue to mail in. It's always a good time. So again, Anthony, you are the epic emailer, so keep it up, sir. All right. The next email is from Sebastian. He says, Hi, sweep the ninja rap. Turtles Forever is as good as Turtle 1 live action in terms of score. I totally agree with the cool looking turtles though. And comments about the turtles with letters on their belt. I really enjoyed the cool looking turtles. The shredder over the cheesy turtle shredder. The shredder plan was going to fail each time as there will always be turtles to stop him. I give the movie 3.9 out of 5 stars. You always gotta love Sebastian's ratings. He always gotta have uh, a very interesting number attached to his ratings, so that's always a good time, sir. So thank you for your uh, for your email there. Um, I definitely hear you on, you know, I enjoyed the, the newer Shredder over the Cheesy Shredder because the Cheesy Shredder is just what he is. He's just cheesy. Um, You know, they definitely had respect. Each turtle looked cool. They looked exactly like they did in the original. So it was definitely definitely great how they were able to, you know, put everything together. So I definitely agree with you, sir. All right, and John from Philly writes in on Turtles Forever. He said, Hello, sir, and sweep the leg nation. He said, Well, I just caught this movie on TV a while back, and while I liked it, I still like TMNT better just a little bit, which I do too, sir. You, There's nothing wrong with saying that. TMNT uh, is definitely superior to this film, but this film is still uh, good in its own sense So, or cartoon, however you want to label it. He says, My likes of Turtles forever. I did enjoy how they could make fun of themselves and what I would call the silly turtles that dimension had me cracking up as well when they went to the black and white world and saw the original versions of the turtles from the comics that was just awesome and I was amused that those turtles viewed all the other versions as silly turtles which you're right I love how even the serious version of the 2003 were treated as the 87 version from the Prime Turtles that was hilarious I loved it it was awesome he said so this is a movie I will watch again John from Philly so thank you sir always a good time and uh, thanks for writing in on Turtles Forever and the last email comes from John the Mailman and here's what he had to say He said, hello Mike Turtles Forever was great I laughed as much this time as I did the first time I saw it Seeing the Old Turtles brought back memories, so much nostalgia. So many things the Old Turtles did that I never thought was odd was made clear and I found it funny. Like breaking the fourth wall, so much pizza love and walking around in daylight and no one cared back then and their bad weapons. I love how the new Mikey fit right in with the old turtles. see, I thought the same thing, sir, uh, but got tired of them. How Raff fit in with the comic book turtles, which that's a very good point, sir. He definitely did fit in with the uh after after the ice has broke, so to speak, and uh he goes on to say, um but I don't really watch the new ones. So I didn't know why the new Shredder was an alien. But I did like the upgrade he gave the foot soldiers and the Technodrome. I loved every minute so much. It was so much good stuff. I was dying when the comic Leo was doing narration during their fight with the other eight turtles. I love how when the fourth wall was broken everyone else looked around like who are you talking to? I love seeing the old turtle blimp and the yellow suit April O'Neil gets uh, and the yellow suit when april O'Neil gets attacked i can't wait to hear the show thanks for your time john the mailman consider this email delivered he says p.s love the stl nation and the song good times thank you sir uh i'm glad you love that because you know i thought it was real cheesy myself but at the same time it's not cheesy you know what because every podcast has to have their fans and you know the stl nation is flipping awesome and of course my show is named after my favorite movie. That's my favorite montage, and that song is just killer. So it only makes sense to get a theme song that just pays tribute to your fans. So I hear you, sir. It's definitely good times. I'm glad you love the STL Nation. Uh, it sounds like everybody else is too. It's good times. So um, if you have not wrote in yet, which obviously, you know, I have the the same guys write in all the time it's always good times go ahead and send your email again to Yahoo uh, dot don't forget to check out my boys uh, jason and dan over at flicks and show me the winston show me the winston is an awesome podcast i love it a lot it's where they basically sit down get a beer and just and just talk about random stuff it's so good um they're asking for emails lately i sent it in an email so we'll see if they ever get to it um, Jason also does the Crossroads podcast so if you love the greatest show on TV now which is uh, Supernatural make sure you check out that show he also does uh, Film and Focus with Danny it's a very analytical approach to film very good insightful stuff um, excellent excellent podcast and then uh, The Shadowy Flight which is always a good time which of course it's on hiatus but it's about the greatest show on TV on Yeah, the greatest show that ever came on planet Earth, which is Knight Rider, old school David Hasselhoff and Kit. So make sure you check out my boy's podcast. And uh, then don't forget to uh, check out Stars. She is the host of the Crossroads podcast, along with Jason. So that's what we got, guys. Let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. Okay, now I was saying for the music spotlight, I'm super pumped for this. Now, as John the Mailman always says, it's hot. You know, we're going to be like Snoop Dogg and drop it like it's hot. I know. I'm sorry. That was lame but uh... you know this song is definitely hot because here's the thing my you know i wrote down my top ten for the show of what my favorite singles are so far of the year uh... my top ten has been pretty consistent all year i've had either a song drop from one spot to the other but for the most part i've had the same ten songs in there for a good couple of months now and this song that i'm gonna play for you has easily cracked my top five And we'll see exactly where it lands in two weeks from now. But I heard this song on uh, my local rock radio station. And I was like, man, that is good song. And I was like, but it sounds so familiar and I just couldn't put my finger on it. And uh, it's one of those songs where it starts off with uh, kind of a slow acoustic guitar and it has one of those choruses where when the chorus kicks in, the song starts to rock out and you're like, it has that chorus to where you cannot get it out of your head. It's not one of those annoying songs where, okay, I hate this song so much, the chorus is in my head. It's one of those this song is so awesome because the chorus is always in my head and I can't stop singing it that's the kind of song this is so that's all I'm gonna say you need to listen check it out and tell me what you think of this song I want to hear it on your next emails and then on the next episode I will tell you who is the artist and the title of the song and if you wanna know earlier I can also tell you that as well but i'm just gonna play this song because it's so awesome it's called remedy check it out it is the hottest song i have ever played on sweep delay podcast so far i love it i hope you do too and i will catch you guys next week for the christmas episode don't forget i am reviewing gremlins the good old gizmo and stripe film um send in any christmas stories you got uh, your review on the film. Uh, I'm, you guys are definitely going to dig the show because I'm going to be playing some and Christmas music, and it's going to be some Christmas mu- music you haven't ever heard before. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We are going to have a good time. Expect that to be a long episode, just because I'm going to have a lot of music breaks in there. So just expect that to be a pretty long episode, but it's not going to be boring. It's going to be good times. So that's it, guys. This is your this is your host with the most signing out as soon as out. Here's the spotlight song.